What an amazing blessing that I have before me here, an open Bible that God has chosen to reveal Himself and His character to us. And not only that, we have many Bibles and many study guides and helps and commentaries. So join me with a spirit of gratitude as we read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. That would be on page 975 in the Bible there on the back of your pew. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... He deceives himself, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Will you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we come into your presence with gratefulness. We thank you that you have given us instructions for life. We thank you, Holy Spirit that you enable us to understand these words, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have the mind of Christ. We want to praise you this morning, O Lord, for your holiness. You're separated from every other thing. You cannot sin or tempt or look upon sin with any favor. We thank you for your righteous judgment, the foundation of your throne. We praise you that one day all accounts will be settled. But as we consider that, we praise you that you are rich in mercy. And because of your great love for us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. And because of this new life in Christ, old things are passed away and we enjoy new purpose and fulfillment, and hope, and strength to live this life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you open our hearts to the teaching of your word. We pray that you would do that at this time, and we ask you to empower Pastor Cody and give him the words that we need to hear that would enable us to love you more and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we prepared to shift our study uh, from our Psalms and then to Acts, I gave this by word of introduction last week as well, and we'll do so again this week. It seemed to me that it would be helpful as we uh, anticipate a study on the early church and how Christ and His Spirit, by for His glory, was was forming this early church in the Book of Acts, post ascension and the gifting of Pentecost. That it would be helpful for us to know how do we how do we carry one another now. How do we help one another now? How do we encourage one another now as a church thousands of years later? Ephesians chapter 4 tells us this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
much of my ministry is is not to do anything other than to equip you to do the actual ministry. You are the ministers, if you will, of the body of FCF, because that's what it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And my tool for that is the word of God. And thus, it's to help us build one another up. As we look forward to a study on the early church, I felt it would be timely for us to take a few weeks and look at what it means to, in building one another up, bear one another's burdens. Now, we looked at Galatians 6, 1 through 5 last week. If you're not here, if you're not, weren't able to make it very quickly, let me just uh, summarize by saying that the, the primary application that the Apostle Paul had in mind for the Galatian church in chapter 6, 1 through 5, is the bearing of one another's sins. The bearing of their sin burdens, if you will. Notice in chapter 6, verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, and then then when we get to verse 2, bear one another's burdens, it's in the context of sin burdens. And that's what we spent the majority of our time looking at last week. Not only helping one another in our sins, gently even, restoring one another, but also recognizing the finished work of Christ and him bearing all our sins in his body on the cross. The question obviously at that point is, is there any room for application outside of sin bearing? And we didn't mention much on that other than to say, yes, there is application, but let's not first miss the primary application. So this week we will spend our time, the majority of it, looking at 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 this text yet again, but now with an eye toward helping one another in our daily lives. My argument for the text last week, and it carries on to this week as the same verses, is that Christ-like humility enables a proper love for others and a proper view of ourselves in comparison. We won't have much time to unpack all these verses, so let me just say that in verse 3 and verse 4, Paul is drawing out one of the obstacles to bearing one another's burdens, and that is pride. Much thus we must have Christ-like humility. And even then, Fulfilling the law of Christ. What is that law? Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And as we look toward God. And our standing before him. We get a right view of ourselves. And even a proper love for others. If you're taking notes it may be helpful. We're just going to look at a couple of things. One would be. Uh, in, in beginning here, obstacles to burden bearing. What does Paul suggest are some of the obstacles? And I've already mentioned pride. We'll look a little more at that in a moment. But what are some things that are going to get in the way of us assisting one another through our daily life, through our struggles, through our walk, through this side of heaven? Look with me uh, at verse 26 of chapter 5. In many ways, you could say the first five verses of chapter six is the antidote to the warning he gives in verse 26 of chapter five. It says this, 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you back up and your eyes are still in the text, you'll see that's the antidote or that's the that's the comparison to what we should be doing, which is walking by the spirit. That's verse 25. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. That is, if you are born again by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, if you have been made alive by the Holy Spirit, if you've been taken out of darkness and into light, if you've been saved from your sin, then there are ways you should walk. And ways you shouldn't. And the shouldn't is conceitedness. Provoking one another. Envying one another. We could we could summarize some of those things. Or, or we could put them in maybe more modern words. We could say that an obstacle to burden bearing is selfishness. If we're focused on ourselves, this won't work. If we have envy or comparison. If we're looking at the other person and either saying... Boy, I wish I had their burden. And if they knew about my burden, that would be, they'd be really loving me better. Or if we're looking at them and saying, boy, if they, if they just knew what I had going on and how I'm handling this, they would be better off comparing ourselves in pride, saying, look at me. Or looking at me in, in such a lowly state. These are, these are manifestations of pride. Provoking one another. Anger is an obstacle to burden bearing. Anger will not do. You have to kill anger. Whereas John Owen says, be about the business of killing sin or it will be killing you. This won't, it won't work. If you're going to bear another's burdens, you can't be an angry person. The scriptures tell us that make no friends with an angry man. Well, why is that? Well, we'll talk about it in a moment, but bearing another's burden is not easy. It's easier to go help lift the 300-pound couch that happens to have a sleeper sofa in it with your friend and carry it out the front door that never seems to fit the couch than it is to bear their mental burden or their hurt or their pain. And if, if you're an angry person, you will find yourself responding in anger at times. Anger is an obstacle to burden bearing. Pride, as we've already mentioned, is an obstacle to burden bearing. Verse 3 of chapter 6. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It doesn't say, for if anyone thinks he is something, he deceives himself. And I think typically in our world today, universally, and I'm painting with a very, very broad brush. Forgive me for that, but I think you'll understand. Universally, we tend to fall into two camps. We, we universally have burdens, but then we respond to them universally in two ways, I think. One is, thinking we're the only ones with burdens to bear. Or number two, we don't want to share the burdens we actually do have. And if you're like me, I flip-flop between those two constantly. I'm the only one who has a burden, nobody else has one. Oh, but I don't want to share it with them. And then we go back to the other way. These are, that's just pride. That's what it is. Why is it pride? Well, it's pride because he says, bear one another's burdens. There's no choice there. It's a command. And by implication, what he's saying is, every single person in this room has burdens they are bearing. The person that you sit across from today at lunch has a burden they are bearing. It may be completely different than yours, but it is a burden they are bearing. And we are to help one another in that. 
Now, incidentally, what not is not mentioned here, but I think has to be mentioned because of the pace by which we live in our Western society. And that is, if we're going to be those who are engaged in one another's lives and bearing one another's burdens, there has to be margin in time within our schedule to be able to do this. Uh, we've never been more technologically connected and we've never been faster paced. We've never had more helps to, to reduce the amount of work that we have and we've never had more work in our lives than we do in America even right now. It's a rat race. And ultimately, we are too busy. You know, I, 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 I was struck this week thinking about the Good Samaritan and this story that Christ tells in Luke 10 of this man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And the story is to answer the question, who is my neighbor? You might go there if you, if you want, I'll tell you the story. But the, the question that the man has, this lawyer has to justify himself is, who is my neighbor? Meaning, I, I think I'm doing pretty well, but he wants Christ to nail it down for him. And so he tells him this story. And this man comes down and he finds himself among robbers and he is stripped and he's beaten and he's left half dead on the side of the road. And then we have this parade that goes by, right? The priest goes by, the Levite goes by, and then finally we get to this Samaritan. But you know, interestingly enough, I'm not quite sure that the Samaritan, if he lived in 2018, would have time for him. We're just so busy. To take two, three, four, five, eight, twelve hours away from our schedules, we don't have the ability to do that. And that has to be thought about if we're going to be those who are bearing one another's burdens. Because notice what he does. He doesn't just go to him and encourage him and assist him and and put some ointment on his wounds. No, he then puts him on his animal. He apparently goes out of his way of his normal travels, brings him to an inn, takes care of him. The next day he pays for his stay at this inn. Instructs the innkeeper, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And which of these, Christ asked, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. We have many obstacles in our day, and even within our own hearts, to bearing one another's burdens. And we must be aware of those. I mean, this is not a fun thing to think about, but it is something we have to be aware about uh, aware about if we're going to do this well for the glory of God. What is our motivation to burden bearing? That's point number two this morning. Motivation to burden bearing. Notice it's the motivation to the, for this work is found in verse two. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of of Christ. Our motivation is love for God. Remember in, in John uh, chapter 14, I think it is, as well as in 1 John, Christ tells us, if you love me, keep my commandments. What is a commandment to, 
keep. It is the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? And he sums it up by saying, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the immediate question by anybody probably is, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? And here he answers the question, bear one another's burden. That's the way to do it. That's the way, a way to fulfill the law of Christ. Meaning, there's this motivation of saying, I've been given a pure, wonderful grace of knowing how I can glorify God and fulfill His commandments. How I can obey Him. He's, he's given me an ABC checklist on this one. Bear one another's burdens. It, it, right there in front of us. And that should be our motivation. That we can show our love for God. We can show our love for Christ. We have to recognize then to not bear another's burdens. And I think we could go as far as saying to not let another bear your burden is to be in rebellion against the law of Christ. And that that, that highlights the importance of killing this obstacle of pride. We look first to the work of Christ who bore our sin, who carried the greatest burden anyone has ever had. The heaviest load that was before anyone to to possibly bear. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Consequently he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not only can you be saved from your sin. But even now Christ is still carrying your daily burden on top of the sin burden he carried for you for all of eternity. We have access now. To, to help and strength that we've never had before prior to our conversion. There's a great hymn of the faith that is rarely sung anymore. You may not have even heard it. The title is No Not One. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No not one, no not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. No not one, no not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. I think Mr. Withers may have borrowed from that song. Lean on me. Go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Because not only is Christ... Not only did Christ bear our burden, sin burden, not only is he bearing our daily burdens, knows well about them, but he has, by his grace, given us the Holy Spirit. When we think of Romans chapter 8, we, we go oftentimes to verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. It's a tremendous summation of the love of God. But that comes after maybe a a greater mind-blowing concept, which is found in verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Christian, if you have weakness today, you have the Spirit helping you. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You may not know how to pray. Your burden may be so heavy. You may not know how to express your burden to a brother or sister, but you can guarantee that there is one who knows, knows how to express it, and is expressing it better than you could ever possibly do by the will of God, before God even now for you. That is secured for you by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There may be not a better word for us this morning than knowing that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, helping us in our weakness. God, though, not only has raised up Christ and given us the Spirit, He's also given us the church. This is a means by which He has appointed that some of our burdens, our loads, be carried. Some of those loads being comforted by. We're an isolated group of people. And I I think it's even applicable to FCF in the sense that we're a rural church. I have friends in Austin who think it's crazy that some of you people drive 45 minutes away. And then I tell them that surrounding circumstances and they get it. But most of their churches, the most of their church members are within probably a 10 or 15 mile radius. You know, this is this is a harder thing to do when you live an hour away from somebody. But he has given us one another. He has given the church for the means of of helping one another. The church, if you will, is, is just the children of God committed to one another. And that's evidence within the local church. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is broke, who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The gospel, the church of Jesus Christ... These two things in conjunction create a community of real relationships with real love. And that is a profound antidote to the loneliness and heavy burden of sin and life. And it's always been a profound antidote, but I think it's especially relevant for our Western culture today. And that should tell us, incidentally, quite a bit about the current state of the West. That maybe for the first time in many, many, many years... A hundred plus maybe. It's going to be the gospel and a a real church community is going to be seen as the only antidote. For the loneliness that we have all around us. To bear another's burden that is to help them carry or even take the burden. And you yourself not get crushed by it. It is vital that we together as the church are walking daily with God. And be constantly turning our burdens over to him. This is one of the reasons why we talk about the gospel so much. It's because when I go to a brother or he goes to me. And there's a burden that is shared there. Sometimes that weight is more than the other person can handle. I I was thinking of the illustration of, of, of picking up. A couch. And every young man has done this. I presume. 
that we go to help a friend and there's the macho-ness that comes out and they say, I'll get this side of the couch. You guys get that side. Right? You pick it up. Everything's doing good. Take about five steps. You get to the doorway and everything in your body is screaming, you idiot, call for help. You can't hold this thing anymore. And I think we rightly assume and understand even that the Apostle Paul is not talking of, uh, of bearing someone's, you know, physical weight, picking up weight and walking them down, out the door. There's application, I'm sure. But, but whatever you may be picking up physically with a friend is a much lighter load than the spiritual, emotional, mental, relational burdens that we're often called to help one another carry. Those are heavier loads oftentimes. And we must have, uh, we must be those who are, are holding fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives, recognizing that we have the Spirit even interceding for us, not just our friend, so that we can offload that burden as it's offloaded onto us, back onto God, and be able to help them walk through this. It's preeminent then that we have to, we have to be saved to be able to do this well. Uh, the, the, the church, is is a, is a is a collection of of believers in Jesus Christ. This instruction of bearing one another's burdens it doesn't apply outside of the church. I mean, you can try, but you won't be able to do it. Not say sane. Do you have Jesus Christ? I don't know what your burden is today. Uh, I know some of yours, but I don't know all of them. Do you have Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to help, are you trying to get something else to carry the burden of sin that only he can carry? That's the first thing that has to be offloaded is the weight of the guilt of your sin. And that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We sang about it, hallelujah for the cross. Love is won, death is lost. Spiritual death dies at the cross for those who repent of their sins and trust Christ alone. Let's look at the last thing in conclusion here. What does it mean to actually bear a burden? What are some ways that these things can take place? And I don't presume we'll have anywhere near all the ways. I will give a few thoughts. Let the Holy Spirit fill in other creative ways to do it. But I think it comes without saying that you will do this and you'll do this well by the power of the Spirit if we're committed to one another. If we're seeking to love one another. Martin Luther put it this way, Christians must have strong shoulders and mighty bones that they may bear the weakness of their brethren. We all have burdens and some of these burdens are guilt and some is sorrow and anxiety and fear and worry and confusion and hurt and pain and countless other things. And we're to approach these, the the bearing of a burden with a friend or the, the loved one in the pew there, with kindness and compassion. This must be stemming from humility. And we, we've, we need to be sensitive in how we're doing these things. Sometimes we can, if not careful, rush in and actually overburden the already overburdened. So we need to be careful on these things. Consequently, I think it has to be said that you can't do this over social media. Right? Facebook doesn't count as burden bearing. Neither does Instagram or Twitter or any of these other things. These things are face to face and voice to voice. 
Well, what are some creative ways? And I'll just throw a few of these out there and again, pray about it, get involved in people's lives and I think it'll become clear how you can help them. But here's a few things if you're looking for some. Financially, we can help bear one another's burdens. We can give to another person who doesn't have all that they need. Give to the church. This is one of the ways that the church helps bear the burdens of others is through benevolence and these type of things. Make a meal for someone and then take it to them. Send someone a letter. You know, I get emails, I get texts, but I think all of us still find it special to go to the mailbox and find something that somebody spent more time with to communicate their care for us. I go sit with someone in the hospital. Uh, I think it's interesting, Hebrews 13, verse 3. The writer of Hebrews says this, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Uh, This thought of understanding what they're going through as best you can. Visit with someone. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7, jot that down, go study it. But it's it's a fascinating story about the Apostle Paul who finds himself coming to this town of Macedonia. And this is what he says. Our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and and fear within. His burdens were without. His burdens were within. And yet he says this, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. God sent Titus to be a comforting agent amidst Paul and his companions who were greatly burdened. It concludes in verse 7, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he comforted by, which was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. So when we go, maybe wherever it would be, visiting the person at home, and we notice that they haven't been able to come to church in a while because they're sick, and we say, listen, I want to, come and pray or just encourage you I miss you I wanted to see you and we also say something to the effect of and the church has been praying for you well that's an application of this as we are comforted we comfort others invite someone over that you haven't seen in a while pay a bill of someone in financial strain James 2 14 through 17 what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to him go in peace be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body what good is that remember important dates and check in be a listening ear and a persistent prayer warrior and there's many other things we could say let me conclude with this. Look at back in Galatians chapter 6, verse 5. And then we're done. For each will have to bear his own load. Notice the word load coming on the heels of verse 2, burden. Those are actually two different Greek words. The word load there in verse 5 implies a load that Christ actually lays on us. Our call to worship this morning was from Matthew 11. Come all ye to me, come all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That idea there of the of a burden being laid on us by the work of Christ is what is being implied here. 
Meaning that what God in his sovereign will determines to lay upon you relationally, circumstantially, in whatever form or fashion it takes place that is a burden on your life, you must realize that on this side of heaven, your life is marked by a burden and yet one day you will face God and have to give an account of how you did with the bearing of that burden, the one that he sovereignly laid upon you. What I mean by that is I think sometimes, I know I do, it's a constant race to try to get out from underneath the burden and that at times can be rebellion to the circumstances that God has placed in my life. I, I just want it gone rather than submitting to what he has laid upon us. This is one of the ways that we can help bear another's burdens is first recognizing that he has laid on us a burden and And bearing up underneath that by His grace and by the power of His Spirit. We we, we go again to the Gospel and we recognize that this earth is but a temporary thing and heaven awaits. And as we look and long for this day where there are no more tears, there is no more sorrow, there is no more pain, and that day could come at any moment, that is the impetus, that is the strength by which we are able to then bear up or even find the strength to share with another. And find the strength to hear from another and help them as well. Let me leave leave you with seven verses and then we'll pray. Romans 15, 1 through 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we recognize that we would not be here today if it was not for the perfection of Christ that bore the weight of our sin. Took away not only the requirement for punishment, resolved the guilt, and set us free. Father, how do we do this? There's many things we could think about practically. There's scriptures we could look at, but every situation is different. We're going to hear things today, even over lunch, about another person And we're going to be left with wondering, how do I bear that burden with them? We trust that by the power of your spirit, you will lead us and guide us and help us in these things. Help us to trust you and we trust that you will open our eyes to see the the passage of scripture we could encourage them with. When it's time to be quiet and listen and when it's time to just pray. Father, we ask that you would build in us 
continue to grow in us more than even you've already done in us, a love for one another in a, in a community that is uh, a wonderful light and attraction to the world that is around us. It looks and says, how are all those people of different colors and ages and vocations and demographics, how do all those people love one another? Why do they do that? Father, may you be glorified as we make mistakes and as we hurt and as we fail one another even. Give us grace to make those hurts and wrongs right and continue together to pursue you. We thank you, Father, that you endure when we do not, you encourage when we do not, and you are always persevering. You never change. You will never end. And you, by your grace, may grant us comfort and the ability to do this work. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.